Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Bernadette Green lives with her partner Jennifer and their two daughters. Recently, Bernadette published a book called Who's Your Real Mum? Writing the book she wishes had been around when her girls were small. Bernadette believes that children should see themselves and their families reflected in the books they read. And this book, in part, is to dispel some of the misconceptions that children can have about lesbian parents. Hi, Bernadette. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Siobhan. And yourself? Good. Thank you. Uh, Let's go back to the very beginning, or maybe not the very beginning, but uh, the beginning of this particular story. How did your families, yours and Jennifer's, respond when you decided you wanted to have kids? Well, my family were pretty fine about that. There weren't really issues there, maybe a little bit in the extended family, but I didn't really hear about that until a long time later. My partners, on the other hand, her parents... She'd only been out to them for two years. So for them, they, yeah, really, you know, we didn't even um, tell them about it. So they were still trying to deal with that. And um, her brother had come around, I think I was eight months pregnant at the time. He'd come around with his girlfriend, who's now his wife, to um, check out our air conditioning because, you know, he sold the same units. And anyway, I'd said to her beforehand, are you going to tell him that, She's quite a confident person and she doesn't have a great need to, um, you know, feel that she needs to explain herself. So we all sat down to lunch. Here I am with this giant belly and, you know, we didn't refer to it. They didn't refer to it. But, yeah, that's how they found out. Oh, wow. What about friends? So, obviously, you have to work out how you're going to fall pregnant and and what things you'll navigate. A lot of heterosexual couples in the mainstream have lots of resources. It's all out there for them to read and friends to talk to. Did you have any guides about how to get through the process of becoming parents? Well, word of mouth had led us to Ruth McNair and she's a GP who's, she's a rainbow mum herself. She wasn't a rainbow mum at the time. But anyway, she's been a long-term advocate for the LGBTIQ community. So I knew about her and so we went to see her and she was great just telling us how it all worked, you know, what clinics were available and, you know, that lesbians could access. We had thought about using a um, a friend, but in the end we, you know, decided on a clinic. And when... Our daughter was born, um, we joined a rainbow play group and that was really positive. And, I, you know, we've still got friends from there and we take the kids once a year and hire a, kind of the places that you go to for school camps. So not intense, but so the kids have stayed in contact and grown up because my oldest is 16 now. So got teenagers at the camp and then all the way down to probably about nine. So, yeah, so that's been really positive. And what about when your first daughter was born? Did Jennifer's family get involved then? Did they acknowledge the birth? Was it something that was um, embraced at the time when she came into the world? Yeah, um, her cousins were great, um, but not, yeah, not really the, um, well, not her parents anyway. I mean, you know, her brother and his partner, they came to our daughter's first birthday. And, yeah, her cousins were really positive. But, yeah, the parents you know, didn't see her for quite a while. That's so sad. Such a yeah. big loss, isn't it, for everyone when that happens? Yeah, 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 totally. And, 
yeah, you also want to protect the kids from that as well. But anyway, mm. yeah, I mean, it would have been great had they been involved, but yeah, they didn't come come into the picture till a bit later. Now, you and your partner each birthed a daughter. You have two daughters. Did this process worry you at all in terms of how you would feel about a child that wasn't genetically yours? So, yeah, I'd birthed the first child. And while I did go through, like, some emotions when my partner was pregnant, we're very different people. I'm probably a bit more of the emotionally needier, more sensitive one. And, you know, she kind of resilient and confident. So I think a lot of the emotions I was going through were kind of about what each of us had kind of needed. So when I was pregnant, I really made an effort to include her in everything. But, you know, that was what I needed, but she didn't really need that. So for me, you know, it was less about the kind of biology of the child and more about being a part of it. And also, you know, there were feelings bubbling up and I, you know, was kind of pushing them down, you know, Um, And what they were was around um, grief about not carrying a child again. And, you know, I think at the time I thought, oh, you can't have those feelings. You know, it's her turn now and you've had your turn and kind of realised over the years that our feelings are our feelings and (laughs) they are what they are. And um, it probably didn't help that there were issues with my partner's parents. And I, you know, also thought, you know, how are they going to see me? And you know, I remember telling myself at the time that it shouldn't matter what other people, whether they see me as a parent or not, but the truth is it does matter. And, you know, even till recently, and, you know, our kids are 16 and 12, extended family members sometimes talk to me just about my daughter, you know, yes. if I only have one. So That is and, such an um, interesting situation because, firstly, I can totally imagine being jealous of my partner carrying a baby, I didn't have to worry about yeah. that. I could just complain and yeah. say, you'd yeah. never have to go through this, but really secretly, it's an yeah. incredible experience. Yeah, 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 that's right. And I don't want to say like the biology, like it's not important because it's for my kids, the fact they have both a biological parent, that's part of their life story, but it's also part of their story that they have a parent who isn't biologically related to them and And I guess it does help if the kind of community that's around you is also seeing you as their parent. Because it wouldn't work that way. No one would ever do that to a heterosexual couple if they had one child that was theirs and let's say another child that was created with someone else's egg and the father's sperm. They would never talk to the mother, to the father about that child and not the mother, would they? Yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah, it's very different. It's the more diverse families become, the more it just won't be such an issue. But, you know, I mean, it's already changed a lot now, but I guess our first one was born 16 years ago. So, you know, there's been a lot of change since then and, you know, it's got to be for the better. And what was it like in the hospital when Jennifer gave birth four years after you were? Do you think you were treated the same as a parent might be the non-birth parent in a heterosexual couple? Like if a dad was in the room, do you think you were treated that yeah. the same way? So I guess we had mixed experiences. There were a lot of staff that were really great and were really inclusive. And some of it was maybe kind of not thinking through stuff. Like say when I was pregnant, they had like prenatal classes 
and the dads were there as well. There was one point where it's like all the dads and Jennifer, you go on one side and now you all need to pretend you've got a breasts and <laughs> pretend to breastfeed. <laughs> so it was just kind of some awkward things. And then when um, Jennifer was giving birth, we already did the hospital tour because we went to the same hospital for the first one. And they were like, no, no, because Jennifer didn't give birth. Things like that. And when we were actually in the delivery room, because it was looking like it was going to be a Caesar, so there was lots of stuff in there, but then it wasn't. And she was born naturally. And the pediatrician, well, I think it was the pediatrician, had, you know, they'd take them over to the table and check them out and then wrapped her up. And I just said, oh, can I carry her over to Jennifer? And the pediatrician said, no, I wouldn't forgive myself if anything happened. And I just thought, oh, really? Would you um, say that? I mean, you know, unless there's some policy, you know, where they don't do that. And then there was one time when I was visiting her, they said, you know, only that husbands all could come in and anyway, and then somebody else explained it. Um, but there were also some amazing stuff. When I came in to visit Jennifer, you know, she'd said, oh, can you um, breastfeed the baby because I'm really sore and... And I was like, oh, my God, what are the nurses going to think? They're just going to think this is really weird, you know. And I wanted to, but I was just really conscious of thinking, you know, I like asked permission from the nurse, which, of course, I didn't need to, but that was... And the nurse said that she she told me that she was from a Maori background. She's like, yes, go for it. She goes, that's what we all do, you know, cousins, aunties. And it was so nice to have somebody just go you know, this is great, this is what women do, you know, we kind of help each other and, and yeah, you know, I mean... I think that's yeah. a fabulous story. Yeah, 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 it was lovely. It just, you know, women can kind of, yeah, help each other in that way without it being such a big deal. Exactly. And, it, I mean, well, there were wet nurses for many, many years and that's yeah, how exactly. one class of people did it. They didn't even feed their own kids, so... yeah. So coming to your book, Who's Your Real Mum, did the title of the book come from a real or an imagined question? No, no, it was a real question. So generally when the kids were at school, their friends, classmates, they were pretty accepting of their family. But I guess particularly for the oldest, there were no other families like hers in her classroom. So they were from time to time asked, you know, who their real mum was or variations on that question. And one child even described the non-biological mum as the fake mum. Oh, no. And Yeah, yeah. And we joke about it in the car saying, you know, like kind of helping her to have a response, saying, you know, we are real people, we're not pretend. But, you know, at the same time, it is, you know, a little bit confronting, that question. And the child's only being curious and trying to work out, hey, your family doesn't fit what I know of the family. I mean, I've dedicated the book to the kids and my children because you know that is they had to kind of navigate all that stuff and I yeah kind of like the idea that there's something out there that can um take out you know the heaviness of that question while also respecting the natural curiosity in children you know wanting to to know these things. Research shows that in heterosexual relationships that the burden of domestic life falls pretty squarely on the mother's shoulders most of the time. Have you found that that kind of distribution of domestic work is more equal in your relationship, given that you're both mothers? I have heard like, that research does show, yeah, that generally speaking, you know, that same-sex families can be more equitable and we do share most of the cooking. But I think for us, my partner's always been full-time and she's worked in a kind of male-dominated field so when 
we first had the kids, we were thinking about being both part-time, but her work didn't offer part-time work. So I think part of the issue, and it's been a, a very old issue, is that the domestic duties, we don't put a price on them. And the lines really blue. I read this article once and they were talking about the blueprint of the family, how it sits heavily on the mother's you know, in her mind. It's not just cleaning, you know, it's all that stuff that is completely invisible, you know, like buying birthday presents for some children and emailing the school and, you know, all that stuff. Because I've been the part-time person, you you feel like you're working more than what a full-time job is. You know, there's clear, you know, you start at this time, you finish at that time. And it's not that she doesn't come home and help, but I feel like the person who's kind of taking on that home stuff it's easy for them to then run and send an email or, you know, they're kind of up and doing the washing because they put it on in the machine. And, you know, and I think it's a real undervaluing of domestic work. Even though, you know, articles from time to time will pop up where they talk about how much it would actually cost if you did pay people to do that, you know, all that unpaid work. It's really still not in our consciousness to kind of to think about that as real work. Bernadette, thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, thanks, Siobhan. That was lovely to chat. That's Bernadette Green. She's the author of Who's Your Real Mum? And if you'd like to get your hands on the book, I'll put links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.